Morning, church. We good? Maybe I'm just a little too excited this morning. Who isn't excited to talk about money? Uh, if you, <laughs> I just want to say, Kyle, thank you for saying that. I don't think eloquent and myself go hand in hand, but I will receive that in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, come on, come on. Well, in you know, like I said last week, this is a three-part series where we will be talking about money, giving, what I would rather use is generosity. So the series is called Generous Living. Um, today we're going to be in a lot of different texts, Old Testament, New Testament, but if you have your Bible, if you're one of those that you want to turn somewhere, you can turn to Malachi chapter 3, Malachi chapter 3. Uh, and, and, you know, like I said, last week we began uh, this series where I believe we, we kind of laid the foundation. What does it mean to be a generous people? Our God is a generous God, and, and we are called to be a generous uh, people. And, you know, we also learned last week that we don't really own anything. I mean, if you think about it, as, as followers of the God of heaven, nothing we have is, is ours. It, it all belongs to Him. We are just stewards of, of what God has given us. And, and also we learned that every good thing that we have, every good thing, you, you can go down the list of every good thing in your life, and it's a gift from our Heavenly Father that comes down from above. And so, you know, today we're just going to continue in our series. We're going to be talking about generous gener- generosity. I said that if we had a theme verse or a couple of verses, that will be our theme throughout this entire series. It's this. It's found in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. Paul says this, Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so, what does it mean to sow sparingly or, uh, and reap sparingly? What does it mean to sow sparingly and reap sparingly? What does it mean to sow generously and to reap generously? Um, I also want to add that, you know, I don't want to stand up here and just talk about giving for three weeks and then we just kind of transition into the next thing. Um, this is a family affair. You know, we have this budget that we're going to vote on today. Uh, if you're a member of this church or you're seeking to, to be a member, you're, fine, you're looking for a local church, this is a family affair. We are all involved in this, and, and, and we are the people of God. Um, you look at the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, the Israelites, those are God's people. Well, we're under a new covenant where Jesus Christ is our Lord. We are the people of God, and so this is a family affair. And so, what does it mean to sow sparingly, reap sparingly, sow generously, generously reap generously? Um, it, what's so crazy to me is Paul's commending these Christians in Corinth uh, uh, for their generosity. He's commending them. Their eagerness to give towards the spread of the gospel, Paul is commending them. And that's a big deal because if you remember in the first letter, 1 Corinthians, Paul wasn't so nice to them. In fact, he was very harsh. He called them spiritually immature Christians by the way that they were acting, the things that were happening in the church. He called them spiritually immature. Now, he's saying, he's commending them and their generosity and their ability, their eagerness to want to give towards the spread of the gospel. And so, at the very same time, he still reminds them. He says, remember this. 
Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I got home from work, uh, I think it was on Wednesday this past week, and my neighbor, who I haven't met yet, by the way, he was out in the yard. I thought, this is an opportunity for me to go meet my neighbor. And so I went over there, I met him, and he was, he was uh, throwing out a bunch of fertilizer in his, in his yard. And so half of his yard was green, it was green grass, half of his yard was just dirt. And so he's throwing out, he's got this big bag of fertilizer, and he's just dropping it all over the dirt. And he said, man, you know, during the freeze, it killed half my yard. All my grass is gone. So I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm laying all these seeds out, this fertilizer, on this dirt, hoping that it's going to grow my grass back. And I'm sitting, and I don't know anything about fertilizer. I don't know anything about, you know, landscaping. I don't know nothing about any of that stuff. Um, I just knew as a homeowner I needed a, a lawnmower and a, and a weed eater, and so that's kind of where I'm at now. But he's doing all this, and I'm just thinking, man, this ain't going to work. It's dirt. It's brown. There's no grass. There's no life there. It's pointless. That's what I'm thinking. All of these seeds, is it really going to grow that grass? And according to him, yes. That's why he's doing it. He's got this big bag of fertilizer. He's dropping it in his yard in hopes that it will produce green grass. Or think about it like a farmer. If a farmer sows seed, what's he expecting? What's he doing it for? He's expecting a harvest to come. Um, they drop, uh, so whether it's fertilizer, whether it's seed, you're dropping, you had the anticipation that grass will grow or there will be a, a future harvest. The farmer sows only a few seeds. Think about this. This is going to make sense here in a second. If a farmer only sows a few seeds or my neighbor only throws out just a few seeds of uh, fertilizer, you know, the expectation is, well, you might get a little bit in return. So, so the idea is the more you sow, the more you throw out there, uh, the bigger, the better the return. Last week, we, we saw you know, the, the guy that Jesus used in the parable. He, his, his whole life motto was build bigger barns. Put more in them so I'll have more. This is the idea with the seed. If you have a big bag of seed and you're only willing to get rid of a little bit, that's the same idea. What's the purpose of having all of that fertilizer or all of that seed if you're not going to use it? However, at the harvest, the one who plants more, the one who sows more, the one who throws out more fertilizer, the expectation and the anticipation is you're going to see a better return. This is kind of the idea. The one who gives more generously will reap generously. I'm going to unpack that as we go on because I don't want there to be any confusion when the Bible says the more you give, the more you'll get. I don't want there to be no confusion in that. In fact, and let me just set the stage here because we're going to get there. When we talk about, okay, if I give more, the Bible's saying I'll receive more. So what's that mean? And I will say, as we set the stage for today, the Lord actually says, test me on that. The only place in Scripture where God will say, test me on that. In Malachi 3, verse 10, this is what he says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, what a promise. Uh, just so you know, with that verse alone, that's not enough. See, there's, there's things missing. That, that, that can be misconstrued and confusing if it's out of context. And so we're going to unpack that a little more as we go. But I want you to know that my aim and my goal over these next Last week, today, and next week is not just, hey, give more. 
because you should give more. I want to show you why the Bible points us to be a generous people. And today I was going to start to unpack you know, what it looks like uh, as a church and the ministry that we're doing and, and, and our generosity towards that, how it, how it affects the calling that God has on this church. And I'm going to go more into detail with that next week. Not only how your generosity and my generosity, how it affects one another in this body of Christ. As a local church here, we are a local church. We're an independent local church at Hillcrest. So how your generosity, it affects one another in the body as well as God's work in the city of McKinney and throughout the entire world. I want us to see how our generosity affects the lives of other people. We are called to be a generous people, church. Every person in here, if you call Jesus your Lord, God, and Master, your Savior, He has called you to be a generous person. He's called your family to be a generous family. He's called this church to be a generous church because He is a generous God. So we are called to live a generous life. Not a selfish life. Not a, not a greedy life. Not a foolish life. A life focused on Jesus Christ and His kingdom. That's the life in which you are called to live. One focused on Him and His kingdom. Jesus says in Matthew 6, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. What things? What things will be given to us, Jesus? All of the things that you need. That's the idea. God will supply you. He'll supply me. He'll supply this church with what we need to accomplish His purposes in the world. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. So you can't possibly be a follower of Jesus Christ and, and be, have a close and intimate relationship with the living God and be a selfish person. Now we can certainly be tempted to go that direction. But we have a gracious and loving God uh, where the more that we are involved in the church, the more that we are involved with believers, the more that we immerse ourselves in God's Word, it will be very hard to live a selfish life because it's all focused on Him. He's our God. He's our, he's our guidance. He's everything. And so he says, Seek first Him and His kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. What things? Everything that you need to accomplish His purposes in the world. God supplies His people with what we need to accomplish His purposes in the world. And in His grace, and think about this, let's just be honest, we all have more than we need. We have brothers and sisters in Christ and other places in the world who have almost nothing. We have more than we need. That's God's grace lavished on you and me in this church at Hillcrest to have more than we need. And in the excess of what we have, in the excess of what you and I have, it's not to be used for selfish living or more gain, more barns, the idea of last week, to, to build bigger barns because we have so much that God has just graciously given us, so we should probably build bigger barns. It's not meant to live, we're not meant to live a selfish life. Even if God gives you more than what you need, and we all have more than what we need. But it's not meant to, to take that and live a selfish life for our own glory, but rather to give back, to be generous to each other, to be generous to the city, to be generous to the world, all for His glory. That's the life you're called to live, to be a generous person. So he says, if you don't believe me, God says, test me, try me. God doesn't lie. He'll open up the floodgates and pour down blessing on His people. Not for our own satisfaction, but rather, this is key, 
The more God blesses you, think of it as God is trusting you and how you are stewarding and managing what He gives you that you might use it for His glory. Uh, that's a good thing. The more God gives you, think of that as, hey, the Lord is trusting me with the way that I'm stewarding what He's given me. That's a good thing. Not to be prideful, but to know that God is so gracious that He would consider me a, a means to... to proclaiming His name, however that means. I'm not even specifically talking about sharing the Gospel. I'm talking about letting the light of Jesus Christ be all over you in the way that you're generous. The more that you are generous, and this isn't in my notes, but I'm just thinking of this. This has way more to do than money. What are the gifts that God has given you? Every person who is in Christ, and the Holy Spirit indwells you, you have at least one spiritual gift. At least one. From the Holy Spirit. How has God gifted you? How has He gifted you? So that you might be a productive follower of Jesus. That you might give back to the church, to the community, to the world, for the glory of God. He has been gracious to us. And He has been generous to us. And so we are called to live out that generosity in our lives, individually, in our families, in our marriages, and in this body of Christ. So this is, what it, that, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, by the way. If you are the God of your own life, you will miss out, listen to this, on the blessing of the abundant life. Don't be confused on what the abundant life is. Don't be confused. If you are the God of your own life, seeking the abundant and full life for your own glory, you're actually going to miss out on the abundant life that Jesus promises to give you as His student, as, his, uh, as a disciple, as His son and daughter, the abundant life that Jesus promises to give those, here it is, who find life in Him and who seek life in Him. This is what we are called to do as a follower of Jesus Christ. So let's go back to Malachi 3, back in the Old Testament. We're going to be going Old Testament and New Testament today. We have a lot of verses, a lot of Bible. It's all going to point to the same thing. So if you have your Bible, Malachi 3, God says, test me and I will open up the floodgates and I'll pour down blessing on my people. So let's find out what that means first as we continue in our time together. So Malachi 3, beginning in verse 6, the Bible says this, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And here's the Lord's response. And tithes and offerings. It seems kind of... That's the first thing I want to look at today. Tithes and offerings. Uh, many of you, hey, I know what a tithe is. I, I know what that... Well, we're going to unpack what it looks like in the Old Testament and what it looks like in the New Testament. Tithes and offerings. Because I don't want there to be confusion on that either. So, how exactly were, was Israel robbing God? He says, point blank, tithes and offerings. It seems kind of crazy. If you think about it, that we could actually humanity, that we could actually rob God, the one who owns a, a, a cattle on a thousand hills. He's got everything. It all belongs to Him. How could we rob Him? How could we steal from God? It seems like an absurd thing. But it's not according to our Lord. Uh, it, how, how, do we, how do we rob God? We, 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 we withhold tithes and offerings. And so the tithe pretty simple to understand. It's one-tenth of something. It's, it's 
It's a tenth. It's what it, it's what it means. So if you're, if you're paying a tithe and it's more than 10%, it's not actually a tithe. You know, you can't, you can't tithe the 20th. So that's what a tithe is. It's, it's a tenth of something. It's, it's, it's 10%. Okay, so if you're given 7% or whatever that number is, and we're going to get there, you can't actually tithe 7%. It's mathematically incorrect. And I'm not a math major or did well in math. But in the Old Testament, now let's go back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it was a theocracy. It wasn't a democracy, but a theocracy. It was ruled by God. That's how Israel was ruled. It was ruled by God. And God mediated His rule through the priesthood. And you can see this in the Old Testament. He, he mediated His rule through the priesthood. They used the law of Moses to instruct God's people. And a part of God ruling His nation is He, he commanded them uh, to pay a tithe. And, and it wasn't just 10%, actually. It's interesting, if you go and you look at, at, at what the tithe really was made up of, you could go in Deuteronomy 14, I think Deuteronomy 28, you can go in Leviticus. I know all of y'all are really excited to go and look in Leviticus when you get home today after lunch. But you'll find it all there. And, and they gave, they, they literally and technically gave more than 10%. In fact, the more you look, it was probably upwards around 23% because there was the tithe, which was kind of the, the, the was given to uh, the storehouse, which we're about to look at. Uh, it was given for a tax tithe to rule the government. They used that to rule their government. Uh, another tithe was for celebrations. Um, another tithe for making sure there was uh, crops, grain, things of that nature for the needy, for the poor, for the less fortunate. There was many different tithes, and it all kind of jumbled together, and it was more than 10%, and that was the expectation of an Israelite to give. And so I know that's a mouthful, but... Uh, and you can find that in the Old Testament. Leviticus, Deuteronomy, it's all there. And an offering is simply just above and beyond what the tithe is. And so here's an example. If you give to your local church, if you, you're giving God's money back to God, essentially, is what's happening there. By the way, God doesn't need your money. He's pretty well taken care of. Um, he's seated upon a throne, high and lifted up. It's all His anyway. Um, but your tithe is you're giving to the local church, you're giving back to God. An offering, it would be, here's an example, you want to support a missionary. That would be uh, an offering. Here's an offering. Nate, you know, before I walk out of the door, yeah, I just want to help pay for the donuts the next time you guys do. do that's an offering. That's, that's considered an offering. Those are just two examples. One's kind of, you know, missionary. That's a big deal. Donuts might seem like a less of a big deal. But, by the way, a uh, couple of people who volunteered with us this last Wednesday handing out donuts, I got to pray for a young man who's going off to college, play football, just wanted prayer, that he would remain on God's path. I think that's so powerful, so profound. I think the Lord is going to bless that young man for stepping out in faith. And so, Anyway, that's an offering. and So when God says that you are robbing me of tithes and offerings, this is what he's talking about. Now this, just know, this is in the context of the Old Testament and Malachi. Okay, This is the nation of Israel. They were, uh, and he says, you know, you're, you're, you're always fleeing from me, but return back to me. God in his grace, you can return back to me. Um, that's, Israel was notorious in fleeing from the Lord, running from God, you know, uh, pursuing other idols, finding their joy, their satisfaction, their purpose, their direction, their guidance, and other kings, other idols, worshiping other idols. And, and Israel was notorious for that. And so God says, return to me. You're, you're robbing me, but return to me. Give back, and, and I will bless you abundantly. And so remember last week, everything is God's. We're just, he's the owner, we're the, we're the managers. We're just, we just steward what he's given us. So the idea here isn't, by the way, okay, Preacher says I'll give 
whatever, 10%, and then I'll just, the 90 is mine. It, it's for me, it's for my own satisfaction, it's for my own glory, it's for my own life. It's, I can spend it how I want. That's not quite where we're going, by the way. It's all God's. Remember that. It, it is all God's. And so, don't feel like, okay, I've, I've done my due diligence as a Christian. I've given my whatever it is. Okay, we're going to see at the very end, you know, the numbers, and they may be different within families in this, in this room right now. Okay? I don't want you to think. You give a little bit, and you're good. You've done your due diligence. That's not the way we want to think as followers of the God of heaven. It's not 10 goes to Him, and, and 10 belongs to Him, and then 90 is us. We can't think that way. In fact, that would be the opposite of what Paul says. Uh, don't give reluctantly or out of compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It all belongs to Him. We're just stewards of what He has given us. By the way, this word allegiance is a very strong word, I think. Our allegiance belongs to Jesus. You know, Our allegiance doesn't belong to money. It doesn't belong to more of that. Our allegiance belongs to Him. We should want and pursue and seek more of Him. And the way we give and, 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 and our generosity, it all flows through our love and pursuit of Jesus Christ. And I believe, this is just my own personal opinion, I believe the generous we are, I'm not just talking about giving to the church, I'm just talking about in life in general. The way God has gifted you, the Holy Spirit, the gifts that He's given you, the way you live your life, the way you, you, you're out in the world, you're just a light for the kingdom of Jesus. I think the more generous we are, it will be evidence of a life transformed by Jesus. It just will be. I think the more generous Siren, it will be evidence of a life transformed by Jesus. So God says to his people in the Old Testament, Israel, you have robbed me. And this is what he says in verse 9. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. So let's go back to the New Testament. There's a life in a, uh, or there's a point in the life in the ministry of Jesus where Jesus, and this was often actually, he had some harsh words for the Pharisees. Jesus was very harsh towards them. Um, and so here in, in, in Luke 11, verse 42, Jesus, he says, Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all the other garden herbs. And we've got to remember, too, Israel was a very uh, agriculturally driven nation, okay? So when you see herbs and, and grain, you know, we don't, that's not really, unless you're a farmer in here, you know, we don't do that. We, we, but, you know, currency was different. Not that they didn't have money. Of course, they had money. Anyway, I just wanted you to know that. Um, but you give God a tenth of all of these things. He's talking to the Pharisees. But you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. That's some pretty strong words for the, for the, the religious elite. Jesus did not hold back, by the way. You give a tenth... You, you, you're doing your due diligence, but you don't even love me. And he says, and listen to what he says, you should have practiced the latter, a love for God, justice, giving to the needy, all of those things. You, you should have practiced that, the latter, without leaving the former undone. And the Pharisees were so hyper-religious, they were proud, prideful of all that they did, the, the giving, they're praying in the city streets. Everybody see how, how religious we are. And Jesus comes out th at them and says, look, you're, you're actually doing it wrong. You don't even know me. Pretty harsh words. And uh, they thought that their giving, all of those things, uh, uh, blessed God, it honored God, it, it, they received more favor 
from God, but they were wrong. Jesus says, you're fools who neglect a real love for God. And I just want you to know, Jesus isn't saying that giving isn't important. Okay, He actually expects His people to be generous. I want to make sure that we use that word generous more often than giving. Okay, He expects His people to be generous, and, and He shows that in the Sermon on the Mount. And we preached on this last week. You can go find this, 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 uh, this sermon. But Jesus says in Matthew 6, but when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand... So He says, but when you give. Not if there's a time in your life where you feel like you want to be generous. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Uh, so our giving is, is simply just a byproduct of who we are and who we are called to be as disciples of Jesus Christ. Being generous is, is, is who we are. It's just who we are. It should be a natural part of our lives. So natural, in fact, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It is a natural tendency that just comes natural i'm just a generous person giving no big deal i I don't even think about it Uh, we don't as i want to reiterate what paul says we don't give reluctantly or out of compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver Uh, so back to the old testament uh, malachi 6 verse 10 bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house test me in this says the lord almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be, that there will not be room enough to store it. So storehouse is it's a physical place uh, in connection with the temple or even the tabernacle. It's, it's different words, uh, chamber, it's, it's a room, it's a treasury even, uh, but it's in connection with the tabernacle or the temple in the Old Testament. That's what they would do. That's the place that they would store all the crops, all the grain, okay, all of these agricultural things. But even money, you'll see in the New Testament. In fact, if you remember, Judas, he realizes what he's done. He tries to throw the money back at, at the chief priest's feet. They pick up the money, and this is what they say. The chief priests pick up the coins and said, it is against the law to put this into the treasury, okay? Uh, since it is blood money. So the reference here, it's a physical place, probably in connection with the temple. So that's the storehouse in the Old Testament, if you will, mentioned in Malachi 3. Uh, and there's not really a, a, a New Testament equivalent to the storehouse, although some people think it's the local church. Um, you know, so you, we, we, we give to the storehouse. We, that's where we keep all the things. And some people think that the New Testament, Testament equivalent to the storehouse is the local church. It could be. It could be. I'm not saying that it is, though. Okay? Uh, so our tithes, our offerings, uh, the way we give back to God... Um, for the ministry that we do here, I'm talking to you as members of Hillcrest Christian Church. Um, it is, it's all used for the ministry and the work in this church. The work that God in His grace would call us to do to serve each other, to help each other and this city and the whole world. Okay? And we're going to look more at that specifically next week. So, so come back next week. Uh, so all of our giving, the way we're generous, it's all used for one another we, we want to take care of each other. You see that in the early church in Acts. They took care of each other. Everybody, they all had what they needed. Nobody was without need, it says, Acts 2. That's what we want to do here. You shouldn't have any needs, okay? You should not have any, there should be no person who, who's without need in this room. We take care of each other first, and then we go out and we serve uh, the world around us. That's who we are. And so he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. 
Test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour down blessing on my people. So God makes this incredible promise to His people. Test me. Test me. Try me in this. And I will show you how much I want to bless you. Not for your own glory, but for the glory of God. God is wanting us, inviting us to be partners with Him in the spread of the Gospel and making Jesus known in your neighborhood, in this community, in the city of McKinney, and and to the nations. We're going to look at that next week. Think about this. The Hillcrest Christian Church is a church who is called to reach the nations for the glory of God. Isn't that crazy? Like in the seat that you're sitting in, God is calling you to reach the nations for His glory. Missions exists first. It It started and was initiated through the local church. And so our giving and our generosity is simply an overflow of our love and our relationship and our closeness with our Lord Jesus Christ. And to rob Him of that, I think, would be maybe a confusion, maybe a a, a lack of discipleship or, or maturity that we can all grow in, by the way. We can all grow in. So He says, test me, and I will show you just how much I trust you and want to use you for His own glory. And so Malachi 3 can often be confusing, misunderstood, misinterpreted. It's an Old Testament picture of giving. Okay, This is an Old Testament picture in Malachi 3 of giving where God is saying as you bring the tithes and the offerings to the storehouse, it's used to provide for the upkeep of the temple and the land given to the priesthood. All of those things mentioned earlier. I'll bless you with more. The verbiage, though, is different in the New Testament. Maybe you've heard preachers say, if you give more to the church, God's going to bless you with more materially. You know, you'll be richer. You'll be more rich. You'll have more. Uh, so just give more, and God's going to give you more. That's backwards, okay? That's, it's, it, or it's, it's, not, it's, it's incomplete, rather. Okay? It's incomplete. Uh, it's not true, by the way. God's not going to make you rich just because you, you give to Him. That's backwards. Don't think that it's almost like it's an exchange. You know, I'll give you this, I'll give the Lord this, and He's just going to give me more so I can go out and, and live my own life for my own glory. That's not what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We don't see a promise that uh, says if you give money to the church, then you're going to get more money from God, and that's how that works. No, it's not. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, you will be made rich in every way. Listen to this so that you can be generous on every occasion. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. This goes way beyond finances and money, just so you know. Paul talks about people who actually God blesses with more wealth in the world. He says this, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and and willing to share. It's all about generosity, church. It's all about, it's all about having an eagerness and a willingness to, to, to be generous. And if you feel like you, you're not generous enough, you know, this is uh, my hope is that we will all examine where we are uh, with our finances. If it's you've got to work out a budget, if you've got to go home and talk to your spouse, if you've got to figure things out, that's, that's a good thing. Okay, that's a good thing. That's, that's growing in Christ. How can we, uh, in our marriage, in our family, in my own life, if you're not, how can I be more generous? Maybe it's just a small step, 
okay? I'm not talking about leaping out of the... I'm talking small steps. Small steps of how you can, can be generous for the glory of God. If your allegiance belongs to Jesus, you will, you will take inventory of your life in this way. How can I be more generous for God's glory? That's why we're here. To glorify Him. And so, the whole picture is not that God gives us more so that we, uh, we can get more, but rather so we can give more. And uh, that's, you know, God gives us more so that we can give more. God gives us more so that we can give more. That's deemed worthy of repeating. If you, if you don't leave with anything, leave with this. God gives you more so that you can give more. And I know that's radically different, by the way, than the way the world <laughs> thinks of things, isn't it? Completely, radically different. The world says, uh, make more so you can have more. The kingdom of God says, uh, the more you make, the more you have an opportunity to be generous to the people and your family and to the world around you. And may I just say it one more time, this goes beyond your bank account. God has equipped you for the calling that He has on your life. His power lives in you. <laughs> the power of God indwells the Christian. That's incredible. And so the, the world thinks vastly and radically different than the church does. Um, but one more time, God gives us more so that we can be more generous. Uh, so it brings us back to this word stewardship that we looked at last week. Uh, a new definition I found for stewardship. Responsibility to manage all the resources of life for the glory of God, acknowledging God as provider. Another word for stewardship is, is to be a manager. If God's the owner of all things, uh, and then He has given us every good thing, uh, we are to manage those things, right? And you can think, an easy way to apply this is, of course, your finances. If it's all His money, and you know He's given me His money, and He's shown me what to, you know, we manage that. And we don't even do it by ourselves. We do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. And that, again, is a good thing. It's all His. We're managers. So a question maybe uh, some of us need to be asking in our, in, our, in our marriages, you know, how are we doing as stewards of God's money? How are we doing in stewards of, of God's money? Are we giving? Are we, are, we, are we being generous towards the church? Are we, are we giving? Are we tithing? Are we being generous? These are all questions that maybe we, we have to start asking ourselves. And perhaps a conversation maybe you need to go home and have with your family. The first six months of my Christian life, I was not giving. Not a dollar to the church. I remember thinking, this church has plenty. It's the way I thought. This church is a big church. They have plenty. They don't need my money. They're going to do fine. I remember thinking that. I was a young Christian. I wasn't giving. And I remember I attended church and there was a sermon. It wasn't specifically about money, but it was about this idea of where our allegiance, who our allegiance belongs to. And I remember the Holy Spirit just pressed upon my heart this desire to want to start giving back. And it was never reluctantly like, you know, I guess I'm a Christian, and just Christians, they just give. And, and so, I, you know, I've been a Christian six months, and I should, it was never that. There was just this inner joy. It's like, I'm a part of the kingdom of God, and I get to give back. I also want to say, just being transparent with you, there are times... There have been times in my life, and there have probably been times in your life where it has felt a little reluctant. Uh, we're human beings, okay? We, 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 
We lose jobs. We transition uh, where we live. All of these things happen sometimes. Don't beat yourself up if you ever feel a little reluctant to give. God is working on your heart. My, my goal, my prayer is that people wouldn't leave here and be like, oh man, you really gave it to us today. <laughs> well, this is a family affair. We're all in this together. Okay? We're all in this together. God doesn't make us uh, feel like dirt <laughs> when we don't give. The conviction that the Holy Spirit brings is sweet. It's good. It's a life-giving. It's for your good. It's for my good. So Jesus, as he says, giving is a blessing. Being generous is a blessing. And God promises to bless us when we give. Not material, so to speak. Spiritually, internally. And sure, maybe materially, if it's a means for his own glory. If it's a means for his own glory. A few years ago, our church, the church I was at at the time, wasn't working on staff. You know, I wasn't preaching or anything like that. I was just a member of that church, and they challenged us to give more. There always has to be a reason, right, to, to, to challenge people to give more. And so I wrestled with that, and, and, you know, I had all of these friends in the church, and they were like, yeah, we're going to start giving this and giving this. I just didn't have a number. I didn't know what to give. And I remember the Lord just... It made it, he made it clear to me this was the number. And it was above what I was giving at the time. And I thought, there's no way I can financially do that. But I'm going to trust him. And what's so amazing to me, and I didn't keep track of this really, but the next year rolled around, I saw my tax returns for that whole year that I gave more. I had made $9,000 more that year. And I didn't have more stuff. But what's so crazy is God had given me the means to give back to him even more. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I saw that 9,000 more. It's not that I had more stuff. I just had enough to give back to Him. He had led me and called me to do that. And in His grace, He had given me enough to do that. In fact, He had given me a little more. Test Him, He says. Test Him in this area of your life spiritually. Test Him. Test Him. He gives us what we need, church. You will have everything you need under the sun to accomplish His purposes in the world. you got kids to feed, He will give you everything you need. you you got a family to support, a mortgage to pay, a rent. He will give you. God knows your needs. He knows your needs. All of your needs. You need to put gas in your... He knows your needs. He will give you everything that you need to accomplish His purposes in the world. He knows your needs. And so now maybe you're wondering, okay, preacher, is it 10%? Do I tithe 10%? Do I give 10%? And if I give 10%, do I give it gross or net? Gross is uh, before the taxes come out. You know, I actually didn't even learn what that was until about five years ago. I didn't. (laughs) I was just living in a bubble, oblivious to a lot of things, especially everything in the Bible. Well, before I was a Christian. And so I, and the conversation came up in church in a discipleship group, you know, uh, giving, generosity, 10% tithe, net, gross. And I was like, I don't even know the difference. And so they graciously pointed me into knowing that. And I thought, well, what do I do? You know, do I give net? Do I give gross? Because net, I learned, was actually a little less. Do I have to give more? There, there's that reluctancy, you know. And so I texted, texted some friends who had actually, they were the ones who invited me to the church. They, they uh, were discipling, discipling me early on. They were mature, more mature Christians at the time. So I texted them and said, hey, do y'all give gross or net? One word response, gross. 
And then another text came in. Give God your best. Give God your best. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I'm not, I'm, by the way, I'm not telling you what to give, okay? I want, I want that to be clear. 